Krishna. So welcome to the Bhagavatam class. Today we're going to begin in the second canto, second chapter, uh, verse 28. Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya So, uh, verses 28 and 29 are powerful verses that really give the essence of Krishna consciousness, give the essence of our philosophy. So these verses are Vasudeva Paraveda, Vasudeva Paramakaha, Vasudeva Parayogaha, Vasudeva Parakriyaha, Vasudeva Parangyanam, Vasudeva Param Tapa, Vasudeva Parodharmo, Vasudeva Paragati. So, Vasudeva para, all these, there are um, eight lines in these two verses, and each one begins with the form of Vasudeva para. Para means um, supreme or the highest in Sanskrit. And so, for example, the first verse is Vasudeva para Veda. In the Vedas, the highest point is Vasudeva. That in the Vedas, that which is supreme is Vasudeva. And then Makaha means sacrifices, all the Vedic sacrifices. So again, Vasudeva para Makaha, the ultimate goal, the ultimate purpose of sacrifices is Vasudeva. He is the enjoyer of sacrifices, as Krishna says in the Bhagavad Gita, Bhoktaram Yagya Tapasam. So Vasudeva Para Yoga. This is in the plural, by the way. All of the yogas, the ultimate goal, the highest point in all the yogas is Vasudeva. And Vasudeva Para Kriyaha, all rituals, all duties, culminate in Vasudeva. So it's interesting that, of course, Krishna has many names, and here the word Vasudeva is used. Elsewhere in the Bhagavatam, these same verses are going to be repeated uh, with, with the word Narayana. But here we have Vasudeva, Krishna, the son of Vasudeva, and the Bhagavatam began that way. Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya. Om, I bow to... Lord Vasudev, because Vasudev is a name of Krishna that indicates a, an extraordinary historical event, that Krishna actually came to this world. And he came as the son of Vasudeva, prince, the Yadu prince Vasudeva. Of course, his mother was Devaki. And therefore, to call Krishna Vasudev is to directly refer to his historical descent into this world. Now the sages, as I've explained several times in these classes, the sages are talking about events, namely Krishna coming and doing many things as pure devotees, 
assisting him. The sages and, and Sutta Goswami are talking about events which happened not very long ago from their point of view. From their perspective, these things didn't happen so long ago. So it's like if you talk about World War II or something, it's, uh, or maybe you're not old enough to have, actually I wasn't born in World War II, but if we, but we're talking about things that are still very much fresh in everyone's historical memory, in the sense that you may not have personally experienced it, but your parents experienced it or your grandparents. So it's something which is living for you. So in that way, Vasudeva, Krishna coming down as a son of Vasudeva, was something of contemporary history for the sages. And then Vasudeva Parangyanam. Vasudeva is the uh, supreme point of knowledge. Vasudeva Parangtapaha. And Vasudeva is the supreme austerity that or ultimately all austerities are meant to reach Krishna, Vasudeva. Vasudeva Parodharmo, the Dharma culminates in Vasudeva, doing your duty, doing the right thing, cultivating virtue, justice, uh, social justice, economic justice, political justice, whatever. Justice, law, Dharma culminates in Vasudeva. And Vasudeva Paragati, progress we all want to make progress but the ultimate goal of progress progress finally culminates in vasudeva in krishna so that's uh these first two verses for today and uh the next verse 30 talking about vasudeva Saivedam Sasarja Bhagavan Atma Mayaya Sarasad Rupaya Chasal Gunamaya Guno Vibhu. This is very interesting. Uh, this verse is addressing a subtle and delicate and crucial philosophical point, which is the spirituality of Krishna. Krishna is a spiritual being. He doesn't have a material body. Those of us who have material bodies are subject to the laws of nature, laws of material nature. So here it said, Sa, he, Eva alone, Sa, Eva, he alone, Idam, this world, Sasarja, created Agre in the beginning. Sa, Ivedam, Sasarja, Agre, he alone created this world in the beginning. Bhagavan Atma Mayaya, the Lord, and he created by his own mystic power, Atma Mayaya, which is Sadasadrupaya, this subtle power of Krishna by which he creates this world. Um, Prabhupada translates it cause and effect, that he created the energies of cause and effect. The words Sadasad are, are translated, can be translated in many ways cause and effect, or um, the spiritual and the material, or uh, and so on and so forth. So sadasad rupaya cha so, and having created this world with cause and effect, so that Lord, gunamaya guno vibhu, the vibhu is the almighty, 
And now here we come to, to a really critical compound word, gunamaya guno, describing Krishna. That Krishna on the one hand is gunamaya. He is composed of or consists of these gunas and yet he is aguna. He has no gunas. So what, what is really going on here? Of course, guna can mean qualities. So what is this verse really saying? Um, one thing you have to understand is the word guna or material qualities is often used in the Gita, in the Bhagavatam, in a situation where we might say something's material or not you know, made of the spiritual energy. So, for example, um, the word gunatita, one who's gone beyond the gunas, that's the way in the Gita that Krishna says what we might call transcendence or transcendental, gunatita. In fact, Arjuna asked, what are the symptoms of one who is gunatita, who has gone beyond the material qualities? So because Krishna is so much involved in this world, he creates the world and then he maintains it and destroys it. So Krishna is really, literally, all over the place. He pervades this world. He says in the Gita, Maya Tantavidam Sarvam, that I pervade all of this world. So he creates it. He, he keeps it going. He maintains it. He finally destroys it. And, um, and he comes to the world. Now, clearly, when Krishna comes to this world where everyone has a material body and everyone is experiencing the world through their material eyes and ears and so on, uh, and Krishna allows himself to be experienced within this world through people's material senses. And yet, how would that be possible if Krishna is not material? How could people see him? And of course, the answer is, uh, as said here, Atmamaya, Krishna, by his own potency, uh, allows himself to be seen, to be heard, and to be worshipped. So, so because of all this, because Krishna is, is, is so uh, completely involved <clears throat> in this world, creating it, maintaining it, annihilating it, because he comes to the world and acts in the world and interacts with people and has fights with demons where they're, you know, they may be like, for example, in Kamsa's arena, Krishna was wrestling with these Asura warriors. And that means they were actually touching each other. They were, you know, that's what a wrestling match is. And uh, people saw Krishna, they heard Krishna and so on. So with all of that, Obviously, a lot of people are going to think, oh, Krishna must have a material body. Because otherwise, how is he doing all that? How are people experiencing him in all those ways? And so the fact that Krishna takes charge of the modes of nature, he takes charge of the material qualities, he creates them really, and yet he is aguna. He is not in any way affected by them not tainted by them. And so this is this is a topic which is discussed 
many times in the Bhagavatam that yes, Krishna really is God, Krishna as he was seen in this world, that really is God and no, he's not material. Yes, materialistic people saw him, but no, he didn't have a material body. So <clears throat> he does, yes, he creates this world, but no, he's not really attached to it. Because normally if you create something like that's my baby, that's, I wrote this book, I painted this picture, I built this company, I fathered or gave birth as a mother to this child. So when we create things in this world, we tend to identify with them. Uh, we tend to believe we own, own what we made and we become attached. And so that's why the Bhagavatam is trying to explain over and over again, even though Krishna did all these things, he's actually completely transcendental. So that's the point here. And then uh, the next verse. Taya. So Taya refers back to the previous verse, meaning Krishna's Atmamaya, his own mystic potency. Taya vilasiteshu eshu guneshu gunavan eva antak pravishta avhati vigyanena vijarmbita. That's very interesting. Uh, I'll explain what that means. Taya by that mystic power, his own mystic power, Taya, uh, in, within those gunas, those material qualities, and again, the word guna really stands for just material things as opposed to spiritual things. So within those gunas, which are vilasiteshu, which means shining, it means vilasita means something which is really bright. So the modes of nature, as we know, they, they pull us. Like, for example, something in passion, uh, you know, something romantic or to acquire power or wealth. It shines. It's glittering. That's almost what that means here, vilasiteshu. In these glittering modes, in these shining modes, uh, gunavaniva, Krishna is as if he was in the modes, literally gunavan, like Bhagavan, as if he had modes, as if he had these material modes. Eva, as if, as if. Antapravishta, <coughs> which means <coughs> having entered within. So having entered within, having entered within these shining gunas, apparently, himself having qualities, material qualities like visibility, audibility, you can see him, you can hear Krishna. So he appears to have those qualities and he's entered within these modes, but vijnana vijarmbita. Vijnana, uh, of course, means realized knowledge or, or consciousness, enlightened awareness. And so Krishna is vijarmbita, which is a very, Maybe I'll read you some of the meanings of this word vijimbita because it's uh, it's kind of interesting. Actually, I looked it up last night. I mean, I knew what it meant, but I looked it up again just to have it sharp in my memory. So vijimbita, like for example, if someone yawns, like a big wide yawn, that's the person is vijimbita. It's like opening up 
or gaping, opened, expanded, uh, or manifested in that sense, expanding, coming, you know, into manifestation or appearance. And so Krishna, even though he is, he has entered these material qualities and he's managing them and he's so much involved with them, still by his higher consciousness, by his pure consciousness, he is actually expanded everywhere and and therefore he's not at all an ordinary person. He's very different from a conditioned soul, very different from anyone who actually is in the material world. So that's that's the point that's being made here. So um Therefore, in that verse, um, the point is that Krishna, again, by his own Atma Maya, we are not in these material modes. We are not in this world because we, we, uh, you know, we chose to do it completely under our control. We just woke up in a body. We just woke up in a material body, and uh, this body was imposed upon us. Whereas Krishna, by his own mystic potency, enters within this world and appears to be, falsely appears to be, um, somehow within material nature, but he has this pure higher consciousness omniscience, which is fully expanded. So that's the idea here. And then the next verse says, is going to explain well how does it how does he do that because it's not completely obvious how krishna does that so the bhagavatam is going to give an example so just as yata indeed he just as indeed uh fire Vanir means fire is spread throughout wood, but here's in the plural, woods. In other words, many different pieces of wood. In, in you, you'll find many, you'll find manifestations of fire. And of course, nowadays people don't use fireplaces as much. They usually have heaters, but still you can understand that in, let's say you're in a village and in every home there's a, a fireplace with wood or to give an Indian example, they don't need fireplaces so much, it doesn't get so cold in many parts of India, but they have fires for sacrifice. So in any case, let's say there's fire, there, there's wood in different places, and the fire is in those different pieces of wood because different people are creating fire. And so the fire, here's the idea, the fire is one, fire is a god, Agni, that's where we get the English word ignite. So fire is a god. And the idea in the Bhagavatam is it's the same element fire, which is pervading those different pieces of wood. Naneva, apparently many. So the fire appears to be many, but actually it's just fire. So in the same way, Vishwatma, the Lord of the universe, <clears throat> the Lord of the universe pervades 
everything in this world, all living beings, and yet, uh, and yet he's one. Even though, that's the idea here, Krishna, even though he appears, apparently appears in the material world, with these different modes of nature, uh, he appears in the hearts of different living beings, and yet it's just one Krishna. That's the idea. It's just one Krishna. He's not entangled. He's not an ordinary person. It's that one God who's appearing in different ways. That's the basic idea here. Let's go on, maybe do one more. Asau gunamayar bhavayar bhakta bhuta sukhmendriyatnavi swa nirmiteshu nirvishto bhunte bhuteshu tadguna. So, so that Lord, that Supreme, Gunamayar Bhavayar, with different qualities or states of being consisting of the material qualities. And if you think about it, whatever music you like, that's an example of a Gunamaya Bhava. It's a particular state of existence which consists of the mode. So, your music you like, the food you like, the uh, places you like to go or live in. Things you like to do, games or different occupations. That's all what Krishna's what the Bhagavatam is talking about here. Those are all different states of being consisting of the modes. So Bhutta Suks Mendriyatnavi, along with the living beings and uh, the subtle senses and the self and so on. Swa nirmiteshu nirvishto. So Krishna has entered into all these different states of the world. Uh, with these different states of the modes of nature, and yet he's entering his own creation. He's not entering, for example, let's say you move into a house, you're going into a house that someone built. But Krishna, wherever he goes, he is entering or leaving places, states of being that he himself created. And so therefore, Bhuteshu, within living beings, Bhunte, he governs, enjoys or governs Tadgunan, the qualities of those things. So we're getting a very big picture here of Krishna uh, taking care of the whole universe. Intimately in that sense, connected, or apparently intimately connected with the modes of nature, and yet having nothing to do with them, being completely separate, having his own pure spiritual nature. And the same thing, Krishna's uh, relationship with us, because he is detached, he wants nothing from us, he only wants our happiness, we are involved in the modes of nature and Krishna is rewarding us or punishing us or that's going on by the laws of nature under Krishna's supervision. Uh, but ultimately, he's completely detached from all these things. He's simply governing this world so that we can have a situation in which we can gradually advance in, in Krishna consciousness and go back home, back to Godhead. So I want to take a look at the Facebook thing and see if anyone had any questions. Again, I've said it many times, if you do have a question, if you can put a whole bunch of question marks around uh, what you type, makes it a lot easier to spot it as I'm scrolling down. 
oh, we have a Christian here who is telling us what the true religion is. I won't uh, bother reading that. Uh, let's see. Um, okay. Okay, in Spanish. Podría explicar, por favor, si fuera posible, las características o elementos de un cuerpo trascendental. Which means in English, uh, could you explain, please, if, if, it were, if it's possible, the characteristics and elements of a transcendental body? Well, it's eternal, blissful, and full of knowledge. That's Satchitananda. Eternal, and uh, it's it's an eternal body, not temporary body. It's full of knowledge, not full of ignorance, like the gross physical body, and it's very blissful. No unhappiness, no suffering. So that's the basic difference. Oh, from the philosopher, can the analogy of fire and the idea that Krishna is all-pervading be related with the philosophical problem of universals and perhaps with Plato's answer. <laughs> That's very interesting. Um, the analogy of fire and the ideas that Krishna is all-pervading. Can it be related to the philosophical problem of universals? Um, well, clearly the analogy implies or even really explicitly indicates that there's a universal element called fire, which may appear in different types of wood or fuel, but ultimately it's, it's all just, in a sense, one thing. And it's given in the singular in Sanskrit. It's just fire. So um, as far as Plato's answer of a realm of perfect forms, which uh, sort of model the imperfect forms of this world. Um, there's something in the Bhagavatam called the avyakta, the unmanifest, and it's, it's mentioned actually quite a few times in the Bhagavatam as, and Prabhupada sort of tries to explain it, that it's, it's sort of like the idea of something, that's the word that Plato used in Greek, idea. It's the, it's the idea of something that, in a sense, precedes its manifestation like for example if you're going to build a house before you actually build the house you have to draw up a plan architectural plan or artistic you know an artist's rendition of it and then from that uh architectural plan blueprint and so on the house is actually built so Prabhupada explains that this of yakta the un there's an unmanifested form or dimension in the universe just as there's the obvious manifested form. So those are some indications. Of course, we have to talk about that more later. Um, let's see, anything else? What is the spiritual world Krishna, Bhakti, Bhakti, etc. made of? Well, not plastic, definitely not plastic. Um, actually, it's Chinmaya. It's made of the spiritual potency of Krishna. Uh, Krishna is not made of anything, he's just Krishna. He's his own infinite spiritual existence. That's an interesting concept there philosophically. Uh, what is bhakti?
bhakti made of. Bhakti is a state of consciousness, so it's made of consciousness. Anyway, thank you all very much for listening. Um, we're broadcasting here from San Diego. I appreciate you all taking the time to listen. I hope this uh, later time, two hours later, I hope it's convenient. And uh, we hope to see you again next Sunday. Hare Krishna.